We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cause we be. found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand with a cutter as a man. We no longer under the laws of Moses. The world that we can cut with violence and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults. <sighs> Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Hi, listeners. And welcome to Coffee and Cults, where once a month, usually, we drink coffee and talk cults and fringe religious groups from around the world. Please be aware this podcast may not be suitable for all listeners, as it will contain strong language. And do we have any other content warnings today, John? Uh, Discussions of a sexually intimate but not too explicit nature. Wow. And spoons. If you don't like spoons, (laughs) check out now. Content warning for spoons. I'd love to start off by apologising that we haven't released an episode yet this month. Both of us have been really, really stupidly busy. To put it into context, today is the 25th of February. My next day off isn't until the 10th of March. So we've squeezed this into an evening. And very nicely squeezed it as well. So we're glad to be back, listeners. Yes. Thank you for bearing with us. We hope at least the double episode in January uh, has tidied you over for having a bit of uh, distance from us. We will be back and more regular from here on out. If you want to keep updated with us and when episodes are coming out, you can do that uh, on various social media platforms at facebook.com forward slash coffee and cults uh we also put up uh pictures and extra little bits of uh information about the people we talk about um in these episodes you can also catch us on twitter and instagram at coffee and cults both of us are usually lurking around there at some point so if you want to speak to us please do please do we'd love to hear from you uh and if you'd like to support us and this crazy little show that we do uh you can do that in a one-off donation, you can buy us a cup of coffee for Coffee and Cults um, at coffee, ko-fi.com. Uh, and again, find Coffee and Cults. Or if you'd like to support us more regularly, Ooh. you can do that. <laughs> you will make Sam make that noise, listeners. Ooh. And if that's not worth it, I don't know what is. Um, you can do that over there at patreon.com. And again, there's some little extra bonus things in the Patreon. A few little mini episodes of us reviewing cult-based music. Yes. Um, and Scientology Book Club, Ooh, which is a fun, soon. fun new feature. So please do that. Otherwise, we're very happy to be back. And it's good to have you with us. Yes. Hello. So, John, you have been the researcher this month. Who are we going to talk about? Now, you and longtime listeners of this show will know that I love me a 19th century sex cult. Yes. <laughs> Who Yay! doesn't love that? I the thought maybe cult. I'd found them all. Yeah. If you haven't listened to our previous versions of this, please do go back. The Abode of Love is an unloved episode of ours. Of love. Listen to that one. Go back and, uh, and help boost it out. Oh, just before we start, if you do love cults and are based in uh, London, then I will be doing a show at the King's Head Theatre in Islington on the 3rd, um, and that starts at 7pm. And if you're in Bristol, I'll be there on the 5th and 6th of March um, at the Wardrobe Theatre. It's called Girling. And it is the story of Mary Elizabeth Girling, who was the founder of the Shakers. Thank you for indulging my little bit of self-promotion there. I appreciate it. That's good. Thank you for, in your other life, being so on brand to this podcast and its material, Sam. Of course. I think we all appreciate that. You don't know how much. (laughs) In many ways. So this, Sam, is the story of the Oneida community. Oneida. Oneida. Do you want to sing your song in our why, preparation? Why, 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 Oneida? Sam had this beautiful song la, 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 la. that she's serenading you with now, listeners. That's it. 
Okay, we might come back to that at different points in the story. So this is the exciting tale, Sam, of free love, eugenics, and silverware. <laughs> You're really proud of that. Excellent. Okay. So. <laughs> I've got very mixed feelings about that sentence. Prepare to have them continue to be mixed throughout mixed the rest foods. of the episode. Yeah. Mixed by <laughs> impeccably classy silverware yeah. spoons. So, um, oh, isn't this too much giggling and bad jokes? Yay. <laughs> One Thank star. you, iTunes reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> Such a fair cop. Um, so if you're an American listener, then you might well be familiar with the classy silverware brand Oneida, and particularly their spoons, but also their other classy silverware that you can still buy and have in your home. This is not an ad. (laughs) No, we are not sponsored by them, although if you're listening, if you still exist in the form that you should, uh, we will happily take some sponsorship, but we'll get to that connection later on. So we're going to travel to America, Sam, in the 1800s. That's the ship that I'm travelling on. If you want to see more of Sam's acting, listeners, remember she's soon going to be in London, Bristol. And Salisbury. Um, So we're going to start with uh, a gentleman called John Humphrey Noyes, N-O-Y-E-S. I don't care, that's still a great name. (laughs) Um, He was born in Battleborough, Vermont. What a great place. I know, isn't it great? I suppose all theirs are civil war-y, isn't it? I guess it probably is, particularly in that in that area. So welcome back to two English people trying to guess American history again. <laughs> that is what we, that's what we should rename this podcast. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that as a spin-off. Listeners, if you'd like to have that as a project, please do let us know. Um, so he was born in 1811. Okay. Um, and his father John uh, was a congressman, uh, a Dartmouth graduate, and his mother Polly, who was 16 years younger than his father. Ooh, controversy. Ooh was a strong-willed and religious woman, Sam. What a combination. Lovely. Um, and she taught her children all through their early lives to really fear the Lord. That's the important thing. Fear God, be meek and compliant. That's really important. Um, and she had prayed since his birth that he might become a minister of the gospel. God, that's we, a lot of pressure. It's taking it? the pushy parent thing to the nth degree isn't it for sure as a teen and in my notes i've written brackets hormonal brackets (laughs) thank you for clarifying that (laughs) john was painfully shy around the opposite sex particularly coming from that religious background i guess um and he was convinced that his red hair and freckles made him ugly oh like chucky from rugrats (laughs) (laughs) or the doll chucky or the doll chucky That's how we should picture him for the rest of it. Yeah, Pick one, no, which no. one of those you want to use as your visual reference listeners. So he had a bit of an awkward time, had this weird kind of self-image thing, this really sort of heavy religious um, upbringing. So in 1826, he's at Dartmouth College, following in the footsteps of his father. And it's this time when there's a lot of like the revival movement stuff is kicking off. So lots of big evangelic, I'm going to say that again, Lots of big evangelical recruitment, yeah. big tent revival meetings. That's really like starting to happen. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The stuff that will run right into that sort of period in the early 20th century. John's not into it. Doesn't really like that. It's all a bit too much. You're talking in the third person. <laughs> Noise isn't into it. Noise hates it. I, I bloody love it. He doesn't like that. He thinks that's a bit over the top. He's a bit cynical uh, 
about religion. He's known locally as being a bit of a rebel, a bit of a sceptic. But in 1831, after his mother kept sort of badgering him and annoying him and pressuring him, he went with her to a four-day revival meeting. Cool. Four days. A lot of God. In a tent. Um, well, you've been camping. That's true. <laughs> but nobody tried to convert me while I was doing it. So no, it was a, a karma experience. And this is uh, held by a famed preacher called Charles Finney. And Noyes tells us that at first he was not moved. But after the meeting, he suffered from a feverish cold, which led him to think of death and to humble himself before God. Oh. So he was in a tent for four days, caught a cold, <laughs> and suddenly he was like, oh, maybe oh. this God thing is... Oh, Jesus, this cold's bad. Ah. <laughs> Googling and bad jokes. So this is the start of his sort of religious... He's suddenly sort of giving in to all this sort of pressure from his mother and, and this sort of religious sensibility. He's yeah. one of thousands of people that are converted during this big, what's known as the sort of second great awakening wow. of people being, you know, preached to all across the country. And so he goes to Yale Divinity School to study theology and to become a preacher. Now, although he's now starting to buy into that, starting to do the, the formal Christian thing, he's still got that sort of cynical rebel finding his own path you can't see the fun elbow based yeah. uh, it's like imagine that an impression doing. of a cockney and that's what that's where he's going with that yeah it's a bit sort of pretty kings and queens as i'm doing it here and so one of the religious doctrines he gets really into is known as perfectionism oh god that's a lot of pressure as well isn't it well it's it's interesting so it says the the idea of perfectionism is that in this life sam christians can achieve physical and spiritual perfection i.e. become completely sinless by converting. Going clear. Sort of. Oh. And obviously that's a bit controversial because a lot of it is like, well, you are a sinner and you've just got to sort of keep repenting and working for your salvation. But this says, no, it's entirely possible that when you convert, that's it, your slate is clear. Wow. You're in. Uh, You're sorted. And it was said that one of the reasons he liked that idea was that he just couldn't get his head around the idea that he was a a sinner. <laughs> it's, this is, it's, it's really well put in this uh, article that I read. He could not summon from inside any feeling of deep guilt or despair. Wow. Which makes you wonder what he was up to, really. That he Definitely had that, not British can't uh, summon up a feeling of guilt and despair. Reflection. <laughs> That's like really American, isn't it? Sorry, American listeners. Might edit that out. Um, <laughs> but because of this sort of controversy and the way that he's indulging, indulging in controversial doctrine yeah he's kicked out of yale oh okay also around this time he comes up with another interesting idea which is about one of the things going on in the afterlife being your ability to have sex with angels and have sex in the afterlife so that's going to be a thing that will happen a lot with well you'd hope so wouldn't you well i guess so um if there is an afterlife you hope there's sex there and around this time he's (laughs) a really long time isn't it John just pulled a face like he was thinking of something to say and then decided not to. No, it's kind of. I was. I, I was. <laughs> I was thinking of that traditional kind of uh, like on a cloud playing a harp, but on a cloud just really going for it. I, was gonna say, I bet. I bet cloud sex is like a pretty good. Uh, yeah. Pretty good sex. 
Um, so... With a cloud or on a <laughs> On a cloud. Oh, this is going strangely. On a cloud, in a cloud. We're still a bit delirious after Jamestown listeners. I'm tired. <laughs> so, so he gets kicked out of Yale. Right. And he starts to wander around, impoverished, but he's preaching. He's still, I want to be a preacher, preaching his version of doctrine that he's come up with. So he's out and around and doing that. His family keep asking him to come home. And he spends three years canvassing New York State and New England, preaching his thing. And he gets a few followers. Yeah. A few people are into it. A few people are following him, um, including a woman who was his first and most faithful follower. Lovely. Um, a young lady seems to be one of those, doesn't there? Like the, the one woman who is the faithful follower of the cult that convinces everyone else it's safe. She has a great name. Her name is Abigail Merwin. Ooh. Ooh. Like um, a mermaid. Mermaid Merwin. And Noise pretty much falls in love and lust with her. But she's not that into him. Ah. Uh, she believes in what he's preaching, but she, in the end, marries another man. And some would say that that pushes even further in his theology, this idea that in the afterlife, there's a different sort of sexual arrangement. And that although maybe you don't get to have the sex you want on Earth, you might get to have it on in eternity <laughs> on a cloud. Yeah. So he's... Noise and Abigail sitting on a cloud. <laughs> you see, no, it doesn't work, does it? But that's really traumatic for him. He's been wandering around poor and hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, he's really sort of having this weird existence and he has a breakdown. Oh. Um, but he slowly starts to work his way through that. He starts to write articles and he publishes The Battleax. Whoa. Which is his sort of religious journal that he starts putting out, which has a bit of a militant name for a... Yeah, it sounds like an incel essay, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, it definitely does. There's got to be... There's, I bet there's a YouTuber out there someone called, somewhere called Battleax who um, doesn't like the ladies very much. And obviously this idea of Abigail marrying someone else and him not getting to marry her keeps working away at him and starting to, again, influence what he's thinking theologically. Because in 1837... He comes up with the concept of spiritual spouses and spiritual polyamory. Um, And he starts denouncing marriage, saying that it makes people selfish in the way they want to possess one another. And actually, everything should be much more open. You might just have a spiritual marriage with someone, but actually, mostly you should have nice spiritual polyamory and, and, and love each other, which again is convenient to the situation he finds himself in yeah. so, um, if we were feeling really cynical I'm going to um, uh, quote a little bit of uh, uh, of this from him I haven't thought about what his voice is going to be like so I apologise oh, <clears throat> when the will of God is down on earth as it is in heaven there will be no marriage exclusiveness, jealousy, quarrelling have no place at the marriage supper of the Lamb I call a certain woman my wife. She is yours. She is Christ's. And in him she is the bride of all saints. Poor woman, she's got a lot to contend with. She is now in the hands of a stranger. And according to my promises to her, I rejoice. My claim upon her cuts directly across the marriage covenant of this world. And God knows 
the end. Okay, so it just at the moment sounds like he just wants to be in a polyamorous relationship. And if all parties are consenting, then cool, go for it. Yeah, that's Is that where the problem comes in? Kind of a bit of the vibe. So alongside this, at this time, Harriet Holton, um, who is the granddaughter of the lieutenant governor of the state, so she's part of this sort of well-connected rich family, she becomes interested in his writings from Battleax. Like the thing we've just heard. She's like, oh, this is interesting, this. I believe it. And she begins to support him financially. She's really well off. She starts subsidising him. Remember, he's been sort of poor and wandering around for three years. He's trying to print and run a paper. That's really useful. And they get close. They get on well. um, And realising he'll never have Abigail, he realises Harriet is for him. Convenient. Mm, Isn't that lucky? Um, So he writes a letter to her to propose, saying, do you think we should get married? I think we should. And in his letter, his like argument for why they should get married <clears throat> is that it will be a spiritual marriage and it will be earthly and carnal. Ooh. So it will be both. John's doing so many eyebrow raises. Carnal eyebrows. Car- yeah, it looks like a Warner Brothers cartoon, of, like if you're mad, like, like Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> <laughs> These are my come to my cloud eyebrows. Soon. Oh, scary. And that it would advance God's work if they got married. That's his other reason that she should say yes. Um, And that they would still both have latitude to engage in other relationships. Right. Few. Um, And Harriet Holton is totally down with that. And fortunately and coincidentally, her large family inheritance is now used to take his work to the next level. So she's just going to bankroll this whole religious movement as it goes and also he thinks that another reason that it's good he's getting married to her um, is because it proves, here's where it all links up, Sam, that he wasn't pro-celibacy like the Shakers. Ah, connection. By this marriage, besides herself and a good social position, I obtained enough to buy a house and printing office and to buy a press and type. That's definitely not what his accent was. I'm so sorry. I bet it is. I bet it's entirely Um, So, yeah, he's like, oh, it's just convenient that by marrying her, I get all this stuff. All this new printer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he starts his own fully independent publication now, The Witness. Okay. So, sorry, he doesn't have a congregation or anything. He just has a couple of followers. He's just got a cluster of followers around him, a couple of dozen, I think people who are really into it and he starts to really again think about this idea of marriage and how that's going to play a role so his two sisters get married to two of his followers john skinner and john miller and they start effectively like a bible institute study group that's what it's like to begin with called the putney association like the small place in london yeah the Um, putney association just sounds nice doesn't it it i'm I'm thinking of the word chutney but it sounds like a nice treat doesn't it (laughs) I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm really sorry. So he set that up in 1840 as his religious sort of body. It's got about 36 members, goes through a bit of a rebranding. It later becomes, or is also known as, the Society of Inquiry. And it's sort of presented like, let's study the Bible and find out what we should really be doing. Because maybe we should be thinking about the angel sex we're going to have later on. And maybe we should be having spiritual polyamory all that kind of soft pedal of that so in 1844 he decides that the natural next stage of this is communal living 
where they all live together, including sharing of all property, family living and associations. Okay. So these 36 members move into three houses. They've got a store, a small chapel, and they run two farms. Great. All bankrolled by Harriet's money. Oh no, poor Harriet. And um, well, then surely all the all the residents of the commune have then brought all the stuff that they Yeah, have so everything's then held in common, all of their income comes in, and Noy's father dies at this time, um, and he leaves $20,000 yeah. to four members. So presumably that's John, his two sisters, and his brother. Right. So they suddenly again get this other big influx of money yeah. so that they can really push this this project forward. And from here, it's going to start getting a bit stranger. Excellent. 1846, Sam. And Noise is now fully into this idea of spiritual polyamory. So ten members of the group, including him and his sisters, agree to enter a group marriage. All with his sisters. All together. Uh, content warning for incest. Not for the first time in this uh, in this episode. Oh no. John H. Noise is the father of the group and the overseer whom the Holy Ghost has set over the family thus constituted. That's on the thing that they all sign. Basically, they have a big group marriage certificate. And the idea is that this is complex marriage where you are free to have sex with any other member of the marriage, providing they consent. Okay, tick for that. At this point, Noise is arrested on charges of adultery. Yeah. Which was illegal at the time in the state he was in. Um, but it still is. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. I guess they don't prosecute adultery very much now in the same way that they probably Well, no, it's usually just punished by divorce, I think, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Sam coming out strong with her views of that's divorce. A fun story. <laughs> um at this stage. Um so he's freed, he sort of gets out of that, but to avoid further persecution, again with all this money he's got, they buy 23 acres in Oneida, New York State. Lovely. Ready to build. Why? Why? Why Oneida? Well, because there are 23 to 40 (laughs) acres there to farm. Wow. Um, And so they build their community there. By this point, they have about 87 members in 1948. And they have a farm, a sawmill. They have craft activities. Yeah, I love craft activities. (laughs) great it's very exciting um and they live by noise teachings which include the following things right okay hang on i'm ready so one of the primary things is the idea that jesus had already come back in 70 a.d yeah i missed that as well (laughs) oh what so like i don't know like 40 years after he went the first time yep okay so his promise that he'd come back and sort everything out he'd done that oh that's already happened Okay. In 70 AD. Nobody thought to write it down that time, apparently. They were like, people have heard this story before. Yeah. You don't I, need this update. They already wrote that chapter twice in the other Where it's like it was a footnote somewhere and just yeah. nobody carried it over. Um, but the idea is that this means that now their job is to bring about Jesus's millennial kingdom, which just sounds like a really nice like venue, doesn't it? Come down to Jesus's millennium kingdom <laughs> and check out our Everyone's craft activities. And, yeah. So that it would be possible now to be free of sin and live perfectly in this world without disappearing off to heaven. Or, you know, Jesus has come, 
he's sort of ended the normal run of things. Now you can just live this sinful, that sinful, sorry, Freudian slip, sinless life yeah. here on earth. Also, while you're here, complex marriage is the deal. So every man is married to every woman and vice versa. Think how many Christmas presents you'd have to buy. Yeah, for 87 members. Whoa. God. So, so but the women aren't married to the women and the men aren't married to the men, but they're in communal marriages. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Much. Every man is married to every woman and every woman is married to every man. But none of that gay shit. No, definitely not. <laughs> That's not allowed. Right. Um, uh, but if you want to live something close to a, you know, paired relationship, uh, then before you can cohabit, you have to get each other's consent via a third party. So you have to have like this weird mediated conversation <laughs> yeah. about whether you can do that. Okay. So that two of you can... But Hang okay, well that's a that's a positive. I'm putting that down as a tick because consent and double checked consent is always a good thing. But at the same time, oh. no two people could have an exclusive attachment because that was selfish and idolatrous. And if you did do that and spend too much time or were too exclusive, then you would be forcibly separated for a time and encouraged to Devote your energies to the group, which sounds like a horrible sexual euphemism, oh, doesn't no. it? Oh, no. Oh, you, you're the soggy biscuit. Uh. <laughs> That's going to be one of our T-shirts. I can sound if we ever do merch. You're the soggy biscuit. Um, also, I wouldn't make anybody wear that. <laughs> I suppose it's saying you're, not I'm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's slightly better. Let us know what you think, listeners. Would you wear that T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> we have got a patron if you want to give us money remember. um so um the other idea is obviously children might get produced now in this community oh, although not yeah. as much as you might think for reasons we'll come to in a minute okay. um but you're not allowed to be too attached to your own children because again that's not healthy get that umbilical cord cut. um so you'd be banned from seeing them if you <gasps> did get too attached until you could prove you had no preference oh my goodness because all of the children are all of your children you're not allowed to show favouritism to yours or particularly spend time with yours. If you do, you get punished and separated from them. Oh, it's all going downhill now. Now, obviously, that doesn't really stop people. So there's a heartbreak. They, so the children have a separate house. They all live in the children's house from the age of 18 months onwards. You then go to the children's house and are raised by everybody. Okay. Which isn't necessarily, you know, it's a bit like that old communal village raising a child. It takes a village. But that in tandem with, but also your parents are not allowed to show you any preferential treatment. Yeah. It's a bit tough. There's a heartbreaking recollection from um, one boy who remembers having a moment where he was suddenly alone with his mother. um, And his mum went, darling, do you love me? And he went, I always melted. My marbles and blocks were forgotten. I would reach up and put my arms about her neck. I remember how tightly she held me and how long as though she'd never let me go. But those kind of moments could only happen in secret because you're not allowed to show that kind of particular love and care for your individual. That's so sad. Child. That's a little goosebump going on. But let's cheer ourselves up slash horrify ourselves with the section I've labelled in my notes, sex stuff. Yay! So one of the key ideas of this group is... Uh, that everyone, well, the men, should practice male continence. As it, oh. Which is a form of... I'm glad you've asked. Yeah. <laughs> I know, that's my outrageous uh, claim about this group. You just couldn't 
piss yourself. It was really upsetting, really restrictive. Um, it's a form of birth control, Sam. I'm glad you asked. Um, so it's not coitus interruptus, otherwise known as the withdrawal technique. Right. Which nearly every article I read about this group then spent a paragraph going, but do you know the withdrawal method is actually really effective and oh. as effective as condoms in some cases? That's which is not, not what we were taught at school. But anyway, so it's not coitus interruptus. <laughs> It's a different coitus, Sam. It's co- <laughs> it's coitus reservus, which is the idea that they can have sex, they can have penetrative sex, the man just isn't allowed to come. He is forbidden. Oh! And in fact, you're not allowed to come then while you're having sex with the woman, and then you're not allowed to come afterwards, and you're not really allowed to masturbate or come at all. Just stop coming! Stop it! What's that? How do they, how do they possibly police or stop that? And it's a, it's a natural, it's a physical reaction to a stimulus. It's not like a decision. It's not. Oh, it's a 4 p.m. Here we go. A couple would engage in sexual congress without the man ever ejaculating, either during intercourse or after withdrawal. Is the woman allowed to? Yeah, she can get. So what's really interesting about this group? Is that there are lots of things that are sort of quite interesting in terms of the women politics. Yeah. Because it's like, men, you need to sort of control your sexual energy and behaviour. Women, just enjoy it and get on with it. And, you know, enjoy your, you know, just as men can have multiple wives, you can also have multiple lovers. That's kind of okay. okay. We'll talk about some of the other things that are sort of quite positive for, for women's roles in a minute after we get through some of this increased Sex sexiness. So... Noy's idea was that promiscuous interlocked contact between men and women, so men and women having lots of sex with lots of men and women but never coming, (laughs) would generate enough spiritual energy, Sam, (laughs) for electrically powered immortality. So all those men doing whatever it is, no fap <laughs> November, <laughs> are little known to them, Look, raising their chances of immortality. Electrical immortality. Yeah, the idea was that that, that build-up of energy and not expelling that energy in coming would help vitalise you and spread this spiritual energy all through your body and all through the lady's body so that you could, as we want in our new Jesus kingdom, since Jesus has been back and sorted the world out, that is what's going to allow you to live forever on earth in your new kingdom. Wow. So, John, normally we try something for each episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you'll find we're 33 minutes into this recording, Sam, and I haven't come once. Way! How, and are you immortal now? I'm still here. Okay. The evidence is looking good, listeners. <laughs> um, <clears throat> here's a quote from uh, Ellen Wayland Smith, who's a descendant of members of the group, who's written an amazing book about it. The more sex you had, the more evenly the sexual energy was spread through your whole body. The less sick you would therefore be. Death would disappear completely once you had attained perfect equilibrium of divine energy. Sounds like a good chat up line like, hey, hey, sup ladies, want to achieve perfect equilibrium of divine energy with me later? No, thank you. I don't want your Jesus leaflet. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, this was the idea because, you know, ejaculation would drain men of their vitality and lead to disease. And pregnancy and childbirth levied a heavy tax on the vitality of women. And so women should be free to do other things and not just be burdened by the idea of giving birth and being mothers. Um, Lovely. And in fact, women, quote, should be pleasured for maximal spiritual benefit. Did a lady write it? Because it sounds like a lady wrote this it. This is all out of noises. Well done. Theology. Nice. But obviously this wasn't a perfect system. People still did get pregnant. Poor old Harriet, yeah. in the first six years of their marriage, had five difficult births. Oh. Four of them dying, um, either at birth or, or not long afterwards. Oh, um, so although some of this coitus reservus <laughs> is keeping the baby numbers down, and do sometimes they do want children because they want you know new people around, between 1848 and 1868, bearing in mind that there's now a community of something like 250 people, 40 children are born. Okay. That's not... Sort of all... Yeah. Especially as the whole thing is shagging all the time. Like, constant... I mean, just imagine how blue-balled you are after... after those 20 years. It was chafing. Oh. <laughs> Ooh. Sorry, um, everyone, if I made you cross your legs. If you did want to become pregnant, Sam, you had to apply to a committee who would judge if you were spiritual enough to be impregnated. Okay. But if you did, if you weren't part of that process, then women were encouraged to engage in exactly the same activities as men, not limited by pregnancy. So any job going, women could do it. Cool. Men were encouraged to do the laundry and the housework. It's all kind of progressive. Equality. Sounds good, right? Oneida. Woo! Yeah. Now the icky bit, my notes say. (laughs) They do. They say now the icky bit. So here are some other concepts operating in Oneida, Sam. Uh Uh-oh. You can take part in ascending fellowship. Now, obviously, complex marriage and all these sexual ideas are key practices and ideas in the community. Yeah. So there comes time when you have to teach those ideas to the young people in the community. Uh-oh. So the idea of ascending fellowship was to properly introduce virgins into complex marriage. Uh, and not only... Do we need to put in a child abuse warning here, John, or is it...? Yes, we probably do. Okay. So here's a content warning for some child abuse. So the idea is not only to introduce them to complex marriage, but also they want to do it fairly early on into puberty to prevent young members from falling in love or only having affection for other young members. Because if they're joining the complex marriage community, they've got to be prepared to, admittedly with consent, but have sex with everybody then that they're married to. Yeah, but if you're below the age of consent, you don't understand the meaning of consent. So in Ascending Fellowship, there's an older person known as a central member and a younger member. Um, For for the guys, that's a 14-year-old boy, uh, will be sent to be interviewed by a spiritually devout menopausal woman. Okay. And partly the idea is that they will just be in the right position to properly teach these 14-year-olds what's what. Also, they're slightly less likely to get pregnant. Mm Mm-hmm. But of course, some of them do. The same thing happens for girls. But, you know, of course, there's always a difference. That happens to the girls at 12. Fuck. So that's kind of gross. And 
extremely gross. It's going to get grosser. One oh, of the other yeah. ideas running in the group is, I've never heard of this, avunculate marriage. Would you like an avunculate marriage, Sam? I'm going to say no, thank you. Well, that's good, because that is the practice of uncles and nieces being married. Oh, no! And Noyes sort of has this weird idea that certain types of incest are, quote, ideal. It's unclear from the records whether Noyes had sex with his sisters when they were involved in complex marriage together. I think from the start of this project, they've been part of the original group of ten. But we know that he did have sex with his niece, who was a member of the group Terza Miller. Um, so we're going to swap over to some Terza. She has a great name, Terza Miller. I'm really tempted to name like a child Ezra of mine. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I wonder if they're related. <laughs> That's not possible. <laughs> That's not how that works, John. But yeah, Terza is a girl's name we need to bring back. Listeners, if you love us, it's fine. Name don't subscribe. Yeah. Don't give us a rating on iTunes. Don't give us money on Patreon. Name your child Terza. Terza, Samantha, John, whatever your surname is. <laughs> And we'll love you forever. So she's the daughter of Noise's youngest sister. So she's very much his niece. Um, but they seem to quite regularly have sex, as the other people in this group did. There are some... Uh, what's amazing in the records is that we have her diaries. And for a woman at that time, she writes really frankly about all the sex she's having. Well, and I suppose that's the community she's in. It's openly all about sex. And it seems from the diary that she is, for the most part, enjoying at least that sexual freedom. Bearing in mind this is the 1860s now, so yeah. that's really unheard of for women. But there are lots of things of it which are just... Now we know that that, that avuncular marriage is going on are a bit icky. Um, Sam's going to play the role of Terza Miller now. <laughs> Let's changing character, by the way. Uh, let's do a couple of little extracts from her diary. Um, so let's go to um, April 26th, 1869. OK. I have felt rather bad lately, fearing that I've, if I remain so unmagnetic, Mr. Noise will not love me anymore. Tonight he asked me if I would like to sleep with him. I hope I can sometime again, I said. Let's try it tonight. No, I'm unwell now. Well, whenever you're ready... And feel like it, we will. Father Noise, I think it puts a ligature on my life to be separated from you in this way. No, I guess not, he answered. You are getting united to me in a different way. I hope so. Let's go off and take a long walk in the woods. Oh, I should like that. Well, some day when the weather is all right and you feel like it, we will. During the conversation, he said... But how much have you been with those other chaps lately? I told him I had only stayed away twice since his talk with me and meant to follow the course of attraction. He was much pleased with that. He said he thought I had done well with the paper during Aunt H's absence. And we're going to go on to April 6th. I think I'm going to lose this accent, but I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Slept with John Humphrey Noyes. I dreaded to go because he knew. I dreaded to go because I knew he must discover my unmagnetic condition. He did fast enough. In the night, he said, "Would you like some criticism?" Yes, I should very much. Oh God, poor girl. Well, there is no disguising the fact that you don't attract me. 
You impress me with the feeling that your sexual nature has been abused by your entering into sexual intercourse without appetite. Spirits of men which are indigestible to you have come between you and me. It is true, and I have slept with men without any appetite, and a great deal lately. But why do you? I thought you promised me once you wouldn't. I told him I had not quite dared just follow my attractions in that aspect, that he said I must, or it would spoil it all for me. That is true even now, for I have been away so much this winter, in a kind of duty-doing spirit, with folks for whom I had no attraction. Oh, my God! But I have lost all appetite for intercourse with men whom I love, and have always had splendid times with. I felt that it was a great expense to me, and was taking all the romance out of my life, but I didn't know what to do, and thought I was doing my duty. Oh, I feel so relieved. I had hardly dared to hope I need do nothing in this line, but what I felt an attraction for. And we're just going to do one more. So we're tracking back in time. Uh, we're going to do one more backtrack to March the 27th. Oh, I just read, about, read ahead. Last night, John Humphrey Noyes talked with me about having sexual intercourse performed on the stage. We shall never have heaven till we can conquer shame and make a beautiful exhibition on the stage. Uh, Oh, this poor girl, so she was having sex with all these men because she thought she had to. Yeah, and it's weird. There are other patterns where it feels like she's sort of okay with that, but I think you get the sense that there's a real conflict because she sort of just wants to please him. Uh, And then because she's just worried about that, that means that she does the other stuff because she feels like she should, so she can't enjoy that in the way that she might if she wasn't pining after him, who she calls Father John. Even though he's her uncle. Yeah. Um, and so here's, a, here's where it gets ickier still. Oh, for So sake. later she Take gives birth to a child. He's not the father. You can be relieved. Oh. The father is her other uncle, oh. George Noyes. I knew you were doing that. Oh. Um, and that was an unsanctioned pregnancy. They hadn't been before the committee. That, oh. that happened in the way. And here's a... I don't know if you can read that from my handwriting, Sam. Here's a final quote from her about uh, how she felt being within this community. I sometimes wish I could be less under the scrutiny of Mr. Noyes' almost omniscient eye, but when, after trying to hide myself, he reaches out for me and hunts me up. Is that hunts? Yeah. And hunts me up. My heart goes to him with that passionate devotion, oh my God, inspired not only by him being the one man on earth, whom I absolutely, whom I absolutely trust, but due to the fact he is the only father I have known since childhood. Ick, is what it says in your notes, and that is true. Oh my God! Oh, oh, this poor girl. So it's it, yeah, it's really complex, and but but it is amazing that there is, you know, there's loads, you know, these diaries are published, and there's lots more, and it's really interesting about yeah just her experiences of this sexual freedom and trying to reconcile that with what he's telling her and what the country at large is saying and the moments where she does enjoy it and the moments where she doesn't because she's just doing it because she has to oh man i was listening to another um podcast this week about incest don't just listen to things about incest i promise (gasps) does it have a pun title like other uh, podcasts thank god for that um but it was talking about the the westermark effect which is the basically it's what um children is what we all have to the people who raised us okay so you don't fancy your mum because you were raised with her and that mm. switched off that part of sexual attraction for you so you wouldn't be attracted to her and this the same for for most people and so it's the thing where you, when um uh, children who've been adopted 
at birth meet their biological oh, that's parents. that's never been switched on. They feel that connection, and that's uh, mistaken for a romance because they haven't got that Westermark effect. Oh, I've never heard, I, I knew the concept. I'd never heard that it was called that before. That's I think I've remembered that right. Thank you, Red Handed the Podcast. Oh, very good. Other mm. podcasts are available, listeners. Sometimes. So, yeah. So that's all pretty, pretty creepy. That's horrible. That's really horrible. Poor Tizra, what was her name? Terza. 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 Sorry, Terza. So that's going on. And you'll notice, Gun. Oh, I was just going to work out where we are. So there, it's been 20 years now. They've had this commune. They've got 20 acres in Oneida. Yeah, what, 40 just... acres by now. 250 oh. of them. They're all just hanging out, doing their thing. Hanging out. <laughs> Children are slowly being born into it. Right. At a decreased rate. Okay. It's all well, bubbling it... along. No, I was going to say at least there aren't too many children, but any children being abused is too many, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But again, it's another one of those these weird ones of alternative communities where you go, there are things about, you know, in that Victorian age about doing the equal, you know, sort of rights and consideration for women and, you know, being yeah. more, let's say, sex positive, but then just it's spilling out into the darkest possible versions of that. Yeah. Again, mostly because of this filter of him, you know, he well, this the, he can't got... get the woman he wants. So he comes and she marries someone else. So he comes up with the idea that actually everyone's married to everyone yeah. and everyone gets to have sex with everyone. He's possibly attracted to his family members. Yeah. So the theology becomes actually certain types of incest are ideal and oh, man. positive. You really see. So men and women are equal when they're adults, but not when they're 12 and 14. Icky, right? Oh, my God, it's so icky. Sorry for this ickfest, listeners. Ickfest. Glad you like that word, John. <laughs> I just like the idea of an event called ickfest, and I was going to suggest <laughs> what type of festival it was, but I'm not going to. So um, you'll notice in those diary extracts, listeners and Sam, that um, he says casually as after sex patter, do you want some criticism? And she says, oh, yes, please. <laughs> um, each member in the community is subject to mutual criticism, Sam which is a process we're long since familiar with in all of these cult groups where you stand up and either by a committee or everybody else in the community at a general meeting, they tell you everything you're doing wrong, yeah. all of your bad traits, and you are humiliated in front of the community I have talked in to order you. to correct I've you. talked about my drama school experience. Yeah. I'm here before, haven't I? Go back to, I think, I don't remember what it was. Was it the, uh, was it the game? Yes. Yeah. But the Synanon game. So go back to the Synanon episode yeah. if you want to hear about oh, that. It's just, but again, isn't it interesting how that form? Yeah. You know, this is 1860 now. That's exactly what Jones is doing. A lot of years later. Years later, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It is, but it's like you know, people yeah. learn that that's a really good way to control a community. Noise, though, you'll be pleased to know, only goes through this when he feels like it. Because oh, he feels that you shouldn't really criticise the leader. So he only does it sometimes. <clears throat> and there are lots of stories of people, you know, having the smallest thing happen and being really sort of torn into by everybody else. And presumably we can guess from that quote that if he's prepared to go, by the way, my niece, I don't really fancy you very much. You're not great looking. And also it feels like you're not enjoying sex with your uncle. <laughs> you could be enjoying this more. Oh. So presumably some of that criticism is 
sexually based as well in a society that is so open and sexually sexually <laughs> vomit face, which is what I just did. Podcasting there, John, for the facial expression. Thank you. One of the other key concepts in this community is uh, stirpiculture. Stirpiculture. And I'll just move on because obviously I don't know uh, yeah. what that is. So um, long before the idea of eugenics was oh, um, invented, so um, Noise comes up with a scientific program for breeding people to be immortal. Oh, I bet that's very scientific. <laughs> <laughs> so let's not forget that all of this is about, you know, all of this blue balling is the idea that this will make sure that everybody is now immortal and will live their perfect sinless life on earth for all time but if no one's ejaculating ever how are they gonna make more people to be immortal because you'll remember that you apply to the committee, the committee sorry, and you have to be spiritual enough Ugh. so um so you have to have the bluest balls in order to <laughs> they, got like they a, have like one of those much <laughs> i like that we both thought of that at the same time a pantone chart of Blue. No, sorry, Keith, not blue enough today. <laughs> My friend has a dog named Keith. He doesn't have any balls. <laughs> it's really weird that you brought that up. That's good. Let's keep the ick factor going. Yeah. So the idea is that by really making sure that the most um, spiritual people in the community are the ones breeding, yeah. then because, you know, he's been, it's a tight, you know, Darwin's just sort of come out and started to filter into the mainstream. So this idea of how you selectively you know how people you can selectively breed things in yeah their aim goal is people who are spiritually pure enough that they can store that energy up and have that restraint to not come so that they live forever so they're just going to choose those people now it's interesting because it's sort of eugenics but without the racism we're most sort of commonly used to the idea being that you just want to you know that 19th yeah. uh, early 20th century idea of breeding out that the undesirable characteristics you want to breed out are particular racial types or disability or whatever it might be which as we know is horrendous and and sickening and appalling in all manner of ways but this is sort of it is a breeding program but it's to produce the most immortal non-comers oh. of the world so that their community <laughs> will just no i come on. the least no i come the least <laughs> no i come the least and so does my wife <laughs> no i don't <laughs> So he's thought up this system um, inspired by Plato, Darwin, Galton and agricultural breeding books. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> so I'm is, sure that's exactly what they meant. You questioned how scientific it was earlier, Sam. That's yeah. my response to you. That's how scientific it was. Um, now, obviously, you've got to decide who's the most spiritual for this. So Noyes is the person who gets to decide. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes with the committee, sometimes on his own who should breed and if you're selected lucky lucky you you have to sign a contract promising to avoid having any personal feelings <laughs> during your participation in the program okay yeah easy i will have no feelings and as part of this program no, why did i say that i don't want to participate in the program <laughs> no you've just a verbal contract no. so while this is going on 53 women and 38 men get their own part of the house to practice being immortal derpiculture in um, and as a result they produce 58 children 53 women make 58 children okay yeah, that's, yeah. nine of those fathered by noise 
who obviously gets a free pass to uh, um, to be in. And I'm I... just trying to do math. 38 men, one of them is noise, so that means he... Ugh. And I haven't written it here, but I'm fairly sure that actually nine were fathered by him and then like another three were fathered by his son. So they were like top dogs oh. in that breeding program. Oh God, this is all ick. Thanks, John. <laughs> you might give it a break on the 19th century sex cults after this. A lie, you love them. <laughs> Just find it so fascinating in the Victorian period, you get this kind of 60s free love yeah. madness. So in the meantime, this community's still rocking, still trying to do its thing and has to has to survive. It has to sort of fund itself. It's sort of, you know, they're a bit cut off from yeah. the outside world. So they have to sell the produce from the farms. So they um, <clears throat> sell fruit. They make leather bags to sell, fine thread and metal traps. OK. And I've written here, what a store. Hey, Sam, do you need anything? I'm going to the fruit, leather bag, fine thread and metal trap store later. <laughs> would, you, would you like yes, one please. for all your <laughs> fruit, leather bag, fine thread and metal trap needs? <laughs> that is a hell of a classified ad in the back of the newspaper, isn't it? It's like, so sometimes just, you know, it's a bit like Woolworth, the Woolworth of its day, stuff yeah. that doesn't belong being sold together in one place. So they become like their metal traps become like, oh, the Oneida brand Ooh. metal trap. That's a good if you're going to go trapping. If you're going to go trapping, that's the one that you want. They get quite a good reputation for that. And then here's a cute story. One day, one of their members is sat on the bank of a river and they notice that down the river, there's a silverware factory because presumably you have to have water for part of yeah, cool running into the like process that. and presumably dumping waste afterwards. Mm. And they think, well, we're also on the river. Why don't we also run a silverware factory? Uh. And so they build one. <laughs> Which must really piss off the yeah. factory down the river. But that's what they do. And so um, later on in their run, they start producing particularly spoons, but silverware more generally, alongside their traps and fruit and leather bags and, and fine thread. thread. You've remembered. Well, that is like that game with the tea towel. Yeah. We're going to flash back a little bit now um, to 1848 when, oh, it's another one for good names, 21-year-old Trifina Hubbard. That name was Trifina Hubbard. Lovely. Joins, and she's basically their first local convert because they've all moved here uh, when they had to flee because he was going to be nicked for adultery earlier on. From Vermont. And she's the first like local person to go, oh, yeah, uh -huh. this is for me. And it's at a point when they haven't quite fully set up the complex marriage idea practically. So she marries Henry Seymour and joins. And they both go and live there and then start practising complex marriage, although legally they're just married to each other, if that makes sense. Right. Um, her father, Noah Dyer Hubbard. Right. Mm. Again, if you love his children, Noah Dyer. <laughs> Not Noah, none of that. Name Noah your child, Dyer. Noah Dyer. Like Jebediah, but Noah. Yeah. Right. Isn't it great? Okay. A year later, he hears about the open marriage stuff that's going on in this community and he's like no love get out that's not on okay and she refuses she goes no this is what i'm doing back off dad i don't want anything to do with you Papa, don't preach. <laughs> but this is a community where regularly you're available for mutual criticism 
And in the records, we know that in 1850, criticism of Tryphena Hubbard included the fact she was subordinate to the church. She had an excess of egotism amounting to insanity. So she was hot and she knew it. I guess so. Yeah. Um, and uh, that part of her punishment for that was that she had to be supervised by Henry at all times. And, oh, her husband. And physically punished. Oh. Because she had excess egotism amounting to insanity. We've all met people like that in our yeah. lives. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. So she gets this weird kind of control and physical um, abuse. Unsurprisingly, a year later in 1851, she begins to show signs of mental illness. Crying at night, speaking incoherently, wandering around, wandering off. Mm -hmm. Henry goes to tell the family that this is going on and takes her to sort of go, oh, no, your daughter's mad, her family. Um, Noah Dyer and team. And they're appalled by the way he violently treats her. So he's still physically correcting her Ah. all the time. And her family are like, what the fuck mm -hmm. that's not okay so noah dyer lodges assault and battery charges on his daughter's behalf yeah. well done noah dyer well done noah dyer very good and henry is indicted and other people are arrested as being accessories to the physical violence that she's been suffering great but eventually the case is settled because the ondaya community agreed to pay for her expenses while she's in an asylum which is what's going to happen to her now, and that after her release, if she's well, they'll give her $125, and if she's still unwell, which I would imagine at this point, poor woman, is pretty likely, they'll give her $200. Okay. But eventually, because there's lots of, sort of legal wrangling around that, Noah Dyer just accepts a $350 settlement from the Odiah community. They don't get prosecuted properly and fully. Right. And so after that, Tryphena returns to Henry oh, and the community no, and has a child with him. Um, and she dies at the age of 49 in 1877. Oh, so she was still in it for another 20, 20 odd years after. Yeah. Until, yeah. Mm. So, and again, you sort of get the impression that, you know, it's a group that has quite a lot of records. There are quite a few diaries of members and stuff like that, but presumably there was more stuff like that going yeah. on in between yeah, the metal trap one, and one story and spoon making well, so at its height the group has 306 members right and it's doing its thing but in 1876 noise is kind of getting tired of it so he finally wants to come after all this time <laughs> 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 children he's had yeah i'm sorry i just really wanted to bring a bit of lightness it's good <laughs> thank you for doing that i enjoyed it so he tries to hand it on to his son dr theodore noise which again is a good name um but that's kind of problematic because noise is pretty much agnostic he doesn't necessarily buy into any of the religious stuff in any uh meaningful sense but he rules with a tight fist hey i forgot that they were this was religious it just seemed sexy so are they like just having church services Not yeah, sexy, like, yeah and, and it's all noise version of spirituality and this idea right. that they uh, are they did the bible review yeah because effectively they're living heaven on earth because jesus has already come back yeah this is the secret now is just to be immortal because this is life now i remember 
So, yeah, it's quite interesting in that you're not going to get... I don't know whether yeah. that's still... That perfectionism idea is common at all anywhere. Yeah, I just don't know whether... Let us know if you've heard of that anywhere else. Um, But he, yeah, considering how bad things seem to have been with people being beaten and punished and corrected up until this point, he's supposedly much worse. So that, you know, rival fractions split up. This guy called John Tower tries to take over for a bit. But so many Johns in the story. All the Johns. You, you see it? why I was attracted to it. There's another one coming up, actually, as I looked at my next sentence. <laughs> That's embarrassing. I didn't do that on purpose. John will only tell stories about multiple Johns. <laughs> This makes for a really limiting podcast, listeners. This is our last episode, thank you. Um, it's not. At the same time, Professor John Mears <laughs> of Hamilton College, who's been against them, starts publishing leaflets about how bad they are theologically. And he organises a, a protest outside where 47 clergymen oh. show up to protest outside there. To unlock Joanna Southcott's box. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yes, that's right, listeners. It's the ultimate crossover <laughs> fan fiction. <laughs> All this means that there's a bit more focus on uh, uh, Oneida at this point, and uh, an arrest warrant goes out for noise for statutory rape. Yeah. Which is about right. And rape. Yeah, yeah, rape yeah. of all sorts. So on one June night in 1879, he flees to Canada. And I don't know why I'm telling you this, but he's deaf now. The article that I was reading went, the now deaf noise went to Canada. That's an ironic name. Death noise. It's like karaoke, isn't it? It's like silent orchestra or something, isn't it? So deaf noise, as we're now going to call him, goes to Canada, where he plans to establish the community again there. And to show you that his state of mind is as balanced as it's ever been, he starts petitioning Queen Victoria to help him start God's heaven on earth. Right. <laughs> Famous prude, Queen Victoria. Yeah. And this leader of a communal, sexy incest cult. Was she? she was married to Prince Albert, which is where the name of the piercing comes from. But I don't think that's where the piercing itself comes from. Well, no. I don't know. The only, yeah. you know, there's just all that famous stuff about her being embarrassed by ankles and yeah. not believing that lesbians existed and all that kind of thing. And wasn't there a weird thing about a slave that she had as well? Possibly. This is British people try and guess British history <laughs> corner. <laughs> we'll find a country whose history we do know really soon, listeners, we promise. So yeah, so he's that's his new plan. He's going to get Queen Victoria to come and help him start God's new kingdom on earth in Canada. Oh, which Lovely. is like a connection to our last episode where Jesus was possibly hanging out in Canada. This is all crossing over. Mm. Watch out, Canadians. And around this time in the area of New York State, new laws banning complex marriages are introduced. Well done, New York State. Um, and so Noise writes to his followers going, yeah, you better, you better knock that on the head then, hadn't you? You better stop doing it. Right. Just pack it up. Sorry. Okay. No harm, no foul. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. The rent's expired on the village hall. Let's all go home. Okay. Is that all of you that were married and have since been knocking off with everybody else? Maybe just, maybe just go back to being married. Um, <laughs> and so that happens. Okay. Uh, and some, like presumably couples that have been into each other but not been allowed to be, they then get married, and you suddenly people start properly pairing, pairing off. off. Terza, who presumably has been a bit happier somehow, maybe since John has gone. 
hope so. So maybe she's been having a nicer time. Um, who is described at this point in the article I read as the niece and pillar of the community. Wow. Uh, which are nice things to be. Apparently she's a bit upset that now she's going to have to go back to monogamy, uh, back in the outside world. Well, so monogamy's not for everyone. On the final day of complex marriage, she bid farewell to the concept and her sexual freedom by bedding three different men. Wait. So she was like, Get on getting there. hers yeah. while she could before she went back to the to the boring outside world. Good for her. So I feel like, although she's had a heck of a time, bless her, Terza, she we leave her on a enjoyable a moment of happiness before she uh, before she moves on. And what's also been happening at the same time that people are having to go back to monogamy and and those sort of group marriages are being broken up. There are lots of young people who, because it's twenty years later from when it was founded, are starting to be at the age where they might go off to school, school elsewhere, maybe to college. Yeah. They're going off getting educated and going actually this all <laughs> this all seems a bit of a rum do what's been going on at home yeah i'm out of here great and Good. so because they've been able to get out because they've been able to get outside education hear about other beliefs and ideas and practices and yeah. science the kids are out Hooray. and so the group starts to collapse and fall apart um so that in 1880 the people that are remaining with the group are all monogamously married yeah and they go well what are we going to do now he's gone to canada <laughs> our central we like tenants of practice anymore. we yeah. can't do anymore but we've got all these metal traps and spoons <laughs> <laughs> yes you thought you'd forgotten about the spoons the spoons <laughs> are back so what they do instead is convert their religious group yeah. into a joint stock trading company. Okay. Oneida Community Limited. And they really decide to plug the spoons. Right. To the point where the Oneida silverware took off. They got an endorsement from Princess Marguerite of Denmark. Yeah. And by the middle of the 20th century... They were the largest seller of silverware in America. <laughs> wow! And that was the only bit of his legacy that survived. Eventually, they had to pack in the traps because they were becoming less popular. But the spoons, the spoons, the spoons flew away. And the company, as it was, existed until 2006. Great! Apparently, it's like a well-known posh silverware brand in the States, but people don't know... But people don't know where it came from. And in 2006, it was sold to Everwear Global um, and is now owned by other people. And the last original member of uh, the Oneida community, Ella Underwood, died in 1950. And so this big estate and house, very similar to the uh, Panacea Society, funnily enough, it's now a historic landmark. Yeah. And there's a, it's run by an educational organisation who run it as a museum, basically, about this group. Wow. And it's politics and theology and women's lib and awful ickiness. And you can get, you know, we're going to add it to our list of places to visit at some point, yes. uh, Sam. Well, we're sponsored enough to go on a US tour. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look out for that. Patreon.com slash Please, please. Only if you want to. And uh, and so yeah, the, this it's the weirdest cult ending I think of any of the groups we've talked yeah, about so they far. Yeah, a successful 
spoon company. <laughs> and on one of the um, the articles that I was reading, there were there were obviously internet comments, as there are on anything now. Um, and somebody had commented that their slogan should be <clears throat> "Stop fucking, start forking." <laughs> lovely <laughs> as they sold their forks around the world and that sam is the strange and often very icky story of how a cult turned into a silverware company wow <laughs> oh thanks john round of applause that i won't do because we've got microphones wow. um oh good job but yeah how That's fun is that i mean a lot of it was horrendous and disgusting. Yeah. But I think that goes without saying. But some of that was weird, like just weird, like the ah. Oh, yeah. I'm too tired to process it no. really. But the communal marriages and that's odd. And I, like I said earlier, like I'd be interested to know what their thoughts on like homosexuality was. Yeah, I couldn't in the in the articles that I read. They're sort of that didn't, you know, compared to like the Panacea Society where yeah. there was like secret gay enclaves there doesn't appear to be anything in the records that that talks about that explicitly but again you do wonder given that but with that number of 300 on people yeah yeah chances are interesting and again a great not a great example that's not the right phrase but a clear example of that oh the woman i really love is married to someone else i have decided that god wants you to be able to have sex with other people's wives yeah oh my niece is all right, isn't she? I have decided that the ideal thing is for nieces uncles and nieces uncles. to get married. Oh. Um, oh, I, oh, actually, now I might get arrested if people are married. Oh, turns out you don't need to be married to other people. It was yeah. all entirely sort of through his weird selfish, sexual selfish. inadequacy yeah. that sort of stems back to all the way back to childhood. Goodness me. I think it's just kind of fascinating. Wow. Well, thank you very much, John. You're welcome, Sam. Thank you, listeners. It's my turn to research next, so please give us a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or they're the ways, or email us at coffeeandcults at gmail.com, and let me know who you'd like me to talk about, if there is anybody. If not, I'll pick someone. Me. If you would like to sponsor us, you can find us on patreon.com slash coffeeandcults, or pay a one-off donation at kofi.com slash I wonder if you can guess. Coffee, Coffee and, and cults. cults. It's all very on brand. Uh, listeners, um, if you check out our Facebook, you can see uh, some lovely photos of the Oneida community um, and also photos and sort of silly comments uh, from Sam and I about previous episodes. Yeah, so do please check there, that out. So chat to us, hi. Yeah, you can come and say hello. Some of you have done that already. Thank yeah. you for doing that. We had a lovely message during recording today from someone whose Instagram handle I can't pronounce. It's a lot of P's and I's and Z's. Yeah, thank you for that. It was nice to thank hear you. that you're excited. Um, yeah, please do let us know what you think. We really like to hear from you if you've enjoyed it, even if you haven't. We sort of like to hear Thanks that for too, I guess. <laughs> um, well done for uh, putting up with spoons and eugenics. Um, and thank you again for sticking with us in this break. Hopefully, we won't have a break this long another time. Um, it was just bad planning on our part, and we apologise. So we'll be back with our regular service. From here on out, if you have enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe it on all your various podcasting platforms. If you use iTunes, please do leave us a, a little review and a star rating. Uh, no matter what that is, that would really help us out. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much, listeners. Uh, it's been you. nice to be back. We will be back very soon with a new episode. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.
We're going to talk to you. You are the initiate. You are the cause we be. found out that I was actually getting a two inch by two inch brand with a cover as a man. We no longer under the laws of Moses. The world of the kingdom suffers violence, and the violence shall take it by force. Coffee. And cults.